Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben. And my name is Peter. Good morning, Peter. How are you today? It is a good morning, Ben. It's lovely outside. Um, Mm. That's normally my answer when you ask me how I am. I actually tell you how the weather is Deflect, deflect, deflect. Yeah, I don't want to talk about my emotions. Um... (laughs) No, I'm I'm well, thank you. I hope you are too, and I hope yeah. it's sunny where you are across the river. It is. It's it's beautiful. I think we were, or maybe not us, but I was certainly lamenting recently that this time last year it was beautiful, mm. especially still yeah. working from home, it was. which is unpleasant in on the one hand because your your room gets all warm and you don't you know you've got no air conditioning because we're not in the office. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, it's really nice. And then, you know, it's been rainy and horrible. And now here we are. We're recording early. It's the 19th of May. It's Wednesday. And it's bloody beautiful. It is. It is. No need to swear about it, but it is beautiful. It's flipping beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Well, this is our weather podcast. Um, Yeah, I was just going to let that silence just hang. Oh, well, I didn't want to. I wanted to tell everyone it's our weather podcast. That's fine. Sorry about that. Just stay quiet. That's okay. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> what kind of podcast is this, Ben? Um, uh, did I not say? I don't think you may have done. Uh, okay. Uh, it's a video game podcast. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, just so you know. Anyway, uh, we are sponsored. Did you know that? Uh, but, you, but you flipping didn't, did I've you? Flipping, I don't know. I don't know if I did or didn't. I've no idea. What's the point? Hey, mm. Should we just start again? Hello, yeah. everybody, and welcome. No, okay, yeah. we are sponsored Hello? each and every week by a brand new sponsor. They're real. They help us do this show. They help us talk about the weather and do big pauses, making everybody at home very uncomfortable. Mm. Uh, this week, I have the ad read right here. We are sponsored by New Pokemon Flap. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So it says here, everyone's got a Pokemon Flap. You've got one. I've got one. And now... Are we allowed to talk about this pre-Watershed? Is that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is fine. It it says here, no, 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 this is fine. Okay. Right. Uh, So now there's a new Pokemon flap. You can replace your old Pokemon flap. You Mm -hmm. know, it's probably getting tired, a bit dusty. Yeah. And now, new Pokemon flap. Doesn't say what the flap does, but why why would it? We've all got a Pokemon flap already. It's like a a cat flap to let the Pokemon in through the door. Is it? Yeah. Oh, wow. I've been using it wrong. Oh, wow. Anyway, there's a new one. Hmm. And uh, if you could just, I think it is it like, yes, yeah, Philips head screws. You just undo it. Right. Attach the new Pokemon flap. Mm-hmm. 
and you're ready to go and do whatever it is that the Pokemon flap allows you to do. Fantastic. That's well, it. I really like simple as that. My original Pokemon flap back in the nineties. I've had it that long. Oh was, wow. So I could do with a new one to be honest. Well, what was it, early noughties, late nineties? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think it was remember. yeah, I think it was late nineties. Late nineties. Yeah. Has it got like sort of uh faded sun bleached stickers on it and stuff yeah i have to blow in it if i want it to work properly do sometimes. you sometimes yeah okay they say that you're not supposed hygienic to it is yeah to, to blow in your flap well i'm not sh- yeah it's always they've always said that like don't do that it's not good for the flap but then everyone who's ever done it knows that it works so it's it weird does. really yeah i don't know if i agree with the uh with the guidance there mm. but uh, either way Replace that stinky old Pokemon flap with a new Pokemon flap coming... Well, it's now. It's available now from coming Nintendo. Now. Mm. Yeah, right Brilliant. now. Or it would if there were any truth to that whatsoever because that's a load of ball hips. Oh. Sorry. Oh. I'm just going to have to stick with your existing Pokemon flap, I'm oh, afraid. Shame. Rubbish, right? No, we are sponsored by our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump where for as little as one dollar... Per month, you can support this podcast. You can support Triple Jump at large, and you can submit questions for this show. That's right. We only take questions from Patreon. So do consider going over to patreon.com forward slash Team Triple Jump. There's a man in his boxer shorts hanging up the washing in the garden opposite my house. Yeah. Do you want to invite him in? I don't know if I do. I'm not I'm not sure about that. Maybe he could show you his Pokemon flap. Maybe he's all the all the clothes that he's hanging up. He's washed all of his clothes, so only all he's got is pants to oh, go and hang wow. them up. Maybe. We've all been there. Yeah, yeah. Incredible, Peter. Where are we walking today? Uh, across a washing line, and let's there we are. think about who put us there and what he Excellent. was wearing. Nice and simple, easy peasy. Yeah. First question. It's from Sam Samuel Benson, your child. Son. Hello lads, right now I'm in a bit of a gaming rut. I just can't get myself to stay with any game, or none that I have seem to interest me. What is your go-to game when, or if, you're in a gaming rut? Thank you Samuel for your question. Thank you. I mean my first response to that would actually be, if I'm in a gaming rut, I, I try not to really force it. If I'm just not really feeling it, I don't worry too much about it, apart from the fact that, you know, we have a weekly segment where we do what we're playing. But normally I manage to play something in a week. Um, I mean, there was a time where sometimes I would just talk about what I'd streamed. Um, I don't tend to do that anymore. But if I'm in a gaming rut, I don't feel the need to necessarily kind of force anything uh, into being uh, enjoyable. Uh, But... Maybe you want to play something and you're just not sure what to do. So in answer to your actual question, what's our go-to games? What are our go-to games? I always find Minecraft is quite a good one because it's you you know that you're not committing to anything. There's not a narrative that you have to kind of see through slash drop out of if you suddenly feel like you don't want to play it anymore. Um, you can play it in many different ways, either creatively or survival or survival with or without monsters you know you can play peaceful but without creative mode turned on so that's all good lots of different ways to play it it's a very zen game you can play with friends you can play alone do whatever you like listen to a podcast at the same time or something like that um but if not minecraft which i do think ticks a lot of boxes probably just go back to an old favorite you know i mean 
they always come up from Ben and I in these podcasts, the likes of Final Fantasy VII and Spyro the Dragon. But things like that, you know, if you're really stuck in a rut, perhaps go back to something that you know you will definitely enjoy. You always enjoy it every time you play it. Um, We've probably all got a couple of games like that that are Mm -hmm. absolute surefire ways to kill a few hours playing games and actually have fun. So, yeah, either either Minecraft or something like Spyro, um, probably. Nice. What about you, Ben? Well, I've been there numerous times over the past year, mm. and it's usually between big new releases. And sometimes I've settled in and played through a game I've played before like uh, that I've been meaning to go back to, like the, the Bioshock collection, yeah, uh, Return to Rapture collection or whatever it was, and uh, more recently Batman Arkham Asylum and Arkham City. Um, but my usual salve to the situation similar to you, is that I won't force it. Sometimes I'll just watch some TV and I'll just like spend an evening not playing games and just Mm. watch some YouTube and chill out and not worry about forcing myself to play something when I'm not feeling it. However, particularly with Returnal recently and in the past as well, when I wanted to take a break from a game or wasn't sure what to play, uh, I was fortunate in that I've always got a group of friends who are up for playing Warzone you know, or similar. Mm. And although that's not a game that I want to necessarily sit down and spend a whole day playing, it can serve as a really good distraction and you can chat to your friends while you're doing it and, uh, you know, just just have a nice time. And that extends to, to Minecraft as well, as you said, because while I didn't play that alone and I probably wouldn't play it alone, playing it with, with friends did serve as a nice, you know, a nice thing to do in an evening. If if I've got nothing else pressing that I want to play or I'm not really inspired to play anything, just message the group chat and hop onto a multiplayer game for a couple of hours and yeah. then return to a single player game when you're feeling the inclination. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's what has worked for me. But I, I don't really have a game downloaded that when I don't know what to play, I will play that. Uh, doesn't really work for me because if I'm not feeling anything, I'm not really feeling anything. Mm, and yeah. More so than playing Call of Duty Warzone, it's talking to friends that is the that that is the attraction to playing a multiplayer game instead of you know cracking on with a single player game. Yeah. So don't know don't know how many friends Samuel's got. I'm assuming loads, loads because he's rad. But he's got uh, Ben in his name. Exactly, that's true, and he's a son, mm. which not many of us are. You know, no. we, we were just just spewed forth by the ether. Mm. Uh, so I'm assuming Samuel Benson is very popular and has loads of friends. So yeah, maybe try that if you're in a position to do so. Yeah, yeah, that's always a good good move. Play with friends. Yeah, exactly. uh, I mean, you can you can play with friends or you can play alone. But in any yeah. case, when you've been doing that and you yeah. work here at Triple Jump, then what yeah. you've got to do yeah. within the next seven day period at some yeah. point is come yeah. on a podcast yeah. and talk about. Uh-huh. What are you playing? Oh, there it is. It's what we play in time with your host, Peter Austin. Hello, I'm your host, Peter Austin. I have been playing the same games this week as I played last week, and I've thoroughly enjoyed them. Um, I did a tiny bit of Minecraft uh, on the weekend, which I think that it might be over now, but that's fine. It's not sad. We had a great time, and now... 
you know, we're moving on to bigger and better things. Uh, but it it served a purpose. Like I say, I mean, in answer to the previous question, it was a nice just little thing to do without worrying mm-hmm. too much about keeping up with the story or playing something that's hard or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and again, chatting with friends and so on. But step aside, MC, because I am really enjoying Resident Evil Village. Ooh. Thoroughly enjoying that game. I don't really know how far through I am. It's quite hard to tell with that game. I think maybe two-thirds, something like that. Philip will know. He messaged me the other day and said he just finished it. And uh, Yes, he, he did the same for me. I was just about to mention that. <laughs> he he said he really big Resi fan, and he liked it a lot, didn't he? He did, yeah, and I replied to I don't, I don't, I didn't get a notification of a reply from him. Let me just check and see if he told me how far I am. No, he didn't. He just reacted to it on Slack with a zombie Good. He emote. doesn't want to spoil it. No, he doesn't. He doesn't want to spoil it. Um, so I said to him, I don't know how far through I am, but I am up to this point, and uh, so I'm I'll have to see how many hours I've got left in it. But I'm already, I think, planning on doing a new game plus, which is um, exciting. I've not done that for uh, in a game for a long time, really. Um, so that says it all, probably. I've found it so pleasurable, despite the harrowing setting, to mm. go through that game and just clear out every building and having it marked as blue on my map. Like, I... Yeah. I'd wax lyrical about the Resident Evil engine and the the UI in general of that game and the HUD, but I really like it. It's so clean and satisfying and tidy, and you know, even looting rooms, it will it will sort of it won't show you exactly where all the items are when you walk into a room, but when you're sort of close enough, you'll get you know a little prompt. So that's nice. It's not an absolute chore to find stuff, and again, as I say. Having that map just get ticked off and cleared out. And there's all kinds of extra collectibles that, as you go through the game, start to be added to that map. So this is completely spoiler-free. I don't want anyone to worry that I'm going to spoil anything for you. Um, Mm. But, you know, treasures will be marked on there. Um, There will be, uh, let's say, um, areas that might be of interest to the merchant, but not treasures uh as i said i don't want to be too spoilery but so you know there's almost kind of side quests and little little mini mini kind of objectives to go and do at your leisure because the the game is relatively open at certain points so uh it will be no surprise to anyone that you of course spend some time in the castle that we've seen in the promotional material when you're in there that's a bit more kind of enclosed and you're just in that building but once you leave that castle you can go back into i think you can go back into the castle actually i've not tried but i think you can go back in if you wish or you know you can explore pretty much the whole village and outlying areas um there's all kinds of little offshoots and branching paths and extra things you can go and do if you want to and uh, you don't have to if you don't want to. I think there's certain mini-bosses that you don't have to fight if you don't have uh, the inclination. So it's uh, it's got a lot for everyone, I think. If you really just want to like power through, play the game, find out what's happened to Ethan, then of course you can do that. But for those who are completionists and get a lot of satisfaction out of completing games and finding little treasures and secrets and things like that there's so much of that in that game and it's presented in such a satisfying way so 
I've really enjoyed that. Story-wise, it's it's really got me hooked, and uh, I can't wait to find out what happens next, but uh, I won't talk too much about that. And, of course, you can watch Ben and I playing through Resident Evil Village on our joint Blazit live streams when we are indeed doing joint Blazit live streams together, because over the next couple of weeks, um, or, well, this week, actually, uh, by the time this podcast goes out, we'll have done... Uh, I'll have done one with James... Uh, where Ben was not present, Resident Evil was not played, uh, and I think coming up as well, Ben will be doing the same. So a couple of uh, episodes where we're taking a step away from Resi, but other than that, keep an eye on the channel uh, to to stay up with our playthrough. Um, the other thing I've been playing a little bit more is Dark Alliance, the, the remaster. Mm-hmm. Still really enjoying that. I think it's... As I said in the Quipscope, it's exactly what you want out of that game in that it they've kind of presented it in the way that you remember it with your rose-tinted glasses. You know, if you went back to play it now on PS2, you might be a bit disappointed if you've not played it for a long time. Uh, but to play the kind of re-released version, um, it's it's just what you want. If you wanna, if you played that game back in the day, honestly, go and go and give it a go because I've I've really really enjoyed revisiting it and uh, I'm looking forward to getting right to the end and potentially uh, you know they might release the sequel as well that would be that would be good it probably depends on how successful this game is but um the sequel was great so that's uh, maybe maybe something coming up in the next year or so we'll we'll have to wait and see yeah, but that's what I've been playing. I suppose we will, won't we? Yeah. Nice. I've been really looking forward to it. seeing some more Resi 8. Yeah. It's uh it's going to be a long old break between between streams, but uh, it is. Well, it's yeah. going to be a long old, I think, game in general. It's going to be a fair few episodes going off how yeah. long I've been playing it, and I'm still, you know, as I say, I think maybe two thirds, three quarters of the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've put my like my in-game timer is like eight hours, but I'm pretty sure I've played it for maybe more like ten by now. I don't think the in-game time is quite accurate. Um, okay. I've heard so. the average completion time is between eight and ten hours, so mm, right. kind of lines up. But yeah. Uh, yeah, well, that's cool. The next time we'll be playing it will be on next week's sleepover stream, which is somewhat appropriate. So mm-hmm. yeah. that'll be fun. I look forward to that. Yeah. What have you been playing in the meantime while you wait for that exciting next installment of Resident Evil? Well, I have been tidying myself over with a little, a tiny little bit of Warzone. I played that last mm-hmm. night. Um, again, going back to the first question, sort of tidying me over because I am intending to pick up Mass Effect Remastered very yeah, soon. Yeah, me too. And uh, I've sort of just been killing time until <laughs> until I get it. <laughs> right. Uh, so yes, played played some Warzone, won another Mini Royale Rebirth, whatever the hell it's called, on the island. I don't know. Anyway, won a game. Was pretty rad. Felt like a superstar. Nice. Real superstar. And then spent, as is tradition, the rest of the evening dying almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Not even coming close to replicating those heights. I spent most of the weekend just gone playing Borderlands 2 with a couple uh, of yeah. my friends. And yeah. that was lovely. I like that game so much. It's such a good game. In fact, I like it so much that I have often been very curious about the PlayStation Vita port of Borderlands 2 which by all accounts is not very good because they've, rather than sort of streamlining the experience for a, you know, a handheld version, 
it's literally here is Borderlands 2 but running on a Vita and it is supposedly very buggy and doesn't really work very well but I've always been morbidly curious to play it and mm. try it for myself I think it I think it reviewed 64% right as opposed to 91% on home consoles <laughs> So that's sort of what we're talking about here. It was It was farmed out to an external studio, and, and by all accounts, they did their best. But I have bought a copy of that, oh. and I'm really looking forward to just hopping in on Vita. It does have cross-play. Not cross-play, sorry. A cross-save, oh, okay. which is probably why they wanted to just, you know, make it exactly the same experience, but on Vita. Um, so you could copy your save over from PS4 and PS3. So I'm, I may well do that, hop in. Just, just see how compressed it is. Very, very interested. Um, but apart from that, I have finished Crash 2, and I oh, have yeah. played and finished Crash 3. Oh, brilliant. Did you? Which one did you enjoy the most? 3. Definitely yeah, 3. Me too. They, all the games just get better and better. I will say that I did still find 3 about as frustrating as I did fun. But I think that's largely due to the headaches of just how far gaming has come, you know, yeah, over the last yeah. 20 years. It's not fair to compare those games to now, but with no nostalgia, with no muscle memory, going into it fresh with, you know, only 2021 games being the standard that I'm used to mm -hmm. uh, in, in that particular arena, it was... It was it was frustrating at times. I'll say that much, but yeah. I've done it. I've finished the crash games. Those that those <laughs> those have been well and truly ticked off the backlog. Now I can say that I have played them, and I am glad that I have. Congratulations! Thank you, thank you very much. Next up, it's either Silent Hill or Wrath or... of Cortex. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Twin Sanity, uh, mm. Silent Hill or. Flipping out, what's it called? Is it the Castlevania game on PS1? Is it Symphony of the Night? I can't remember. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I'm not sure. I have I've never played two, a Castlevania game myself. I have those uh, two downloaded. Apart from the PS3 one, I played the PS3 actually, one. Actually, yeah, that's a lie. I played... That was um, really good. Yeah, what was that called? Uh, uh, oh, Castlevania Lords of Shadow, right? Lords of Shadow, yeah, and it had Sir, Sir Pat Stew in it. It did, didn't it? That was a really was good Richard game. Richard Armitage, I think. Did he, was he the main guy? Oh, did it? I don't I remember... Don't his voice but he does have a distinct maybe i don't know i might have missed it at the time but i might be wrong but i like uh, I, I did enjoy that that was a good one it i was. remember ign got in a lot of trouble because they reviewed it very low and oh. everyone was like what are you what yeah <laughs> why it was a bit uh, grindy and difficult at times but it was mm, it was enjoyable it was tough yeah, yeah it was tough but and i don't i'm sure the ps1 version is going to be way harder but yeah. we'll <laughs> we'll see how i get on i've heard it's really good and it commands quite a, a high price i believe on the mm. sort of in the retro market and the fact that it was on uh, the sort of ps1 classics on the digital store and i got it for like five quid i felt like that was a worthy investment so yeah. i will uh i'll give one of those a go and, and i'll see how i get on mm, but that is what i've been playing well that means it's time for question two ben it does it does indeed and it comes from david lever who says Ole, Neb, and Retep, which is backwards. 
Often when talking about indie slash AAA, the conversation turns to the lack of things an indie dev was able to do, e.g. due to budgetary restrictions. But looking at it the other way, what, if any, benefits do you think a game gains by being produced by an indie dev slash studio? For instance, I love Edmund McMillan's games and his style is really distinctive, which could be lost if developed by a much larger team or with more co corporate sorry, oversight. Peak poo echt doog crow divad. Thank you, Divad. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a fair question. I think mm. that um, there are certainly many benefits to developing an indie game. That's probably why, partly why there are so many um, with such a big good reputation. You know, uh, they've they've come out so well because these indie studios are able to make their own decisions. I think that's it. It's being able to put a very individual style on things, which, of course, you can still do to an extent as a AAA company. You can release a, a huge budget game that's got its own, very much its own visual style or gameplay style. It's got certain uniqueness about it. But I think it's something you associate even more strongly with indie games is, you know, interesting art styles, for example, or gameplay mechanics. Um I think one of the best things, if we're talking about a game that is maybe being crowdfunded, not necessarily this this works in both cases, but certainly crowdfunded indie games, um, is having that audience dialogue during the the development phase itself, being able to um, put out um, betas, alpha builds, um, you know, just like uh, show assets off as they're in development again you can do that as a AAA studio if you wish but it doesn't tend to happen as much um, by the time builds are released for bigger games because I mean I think it's partly of course because the games are so big that the earlier builds of AAA games tend to be very buggy because there's all kinds of things that need addressing whereas with perhaps a slightly smaller game that's being done by an indie studio you can release those earlier builds and they're probably likely to be a bit more stable I suppose because there are fewer kind of bells and whistles to be concerned with um, at that stage in development um, but I can I think just above all is having that control over what you do and don't do with your game rather than having a big publisher saying no these are our margins this is what you need to sell the game for this is the kind of level we expect from the game in order for it to sell a certain you know to sell well or make enough money and to have let's say money making methods perhaps forced on you or heavily suggested um you know, perhaps microtransactions, perhaps cosmetic stuff or sort of freemium add-ons and things like that. Those things, as a general rule, tend to come from a publisher rather than a developer. I don't think there are that many development studios, AAA or indie, who are actively saying, I really want to include some slightly unethical microtransactions in my game. Mm -hmm. It tends to be from the publisher rather than the developer. So that's probably the best thing I think that comes from uh, from indie development. It's perhaps not as um, kind of uh, wholesome an answer as David's who talks about, you know, Edmund McMillan's style, um, distinctive style. I'm just here talking about money and microtransactions, <laughs> but 
to be more matter of fact, I think that's probably one of the best things that comes of, of developing something as an indie studio is just having that agency and that control yeah. over things like that. Absolutely. You can just be uncompromising in your vision mm. and just, just make something without interference. And I'm assuming in this instance we're talking about, you know, the very small indie studio. We're not talking about, say, Insomniac pre PlayStation purchase. Yeah, true. You know, where yeah. they could well, they were independent. They mm. would just make games on a contract for PlayStation or Xbox, you know. Uh, we're talking about the very, very, very small teams, oftentimes one person team, that sort of stuff. Yeah. I will say this may not always have been the case, and it certainly won't have always been the case, but Edmund McMillan certainly doesn't have to worry about financing his games anymore. Mm. That that is gone. That headache is gone. You know, he's if people are unfamiliar, he he's behind Super Meat Boy and Binding of Isaac and so on. Um and that that financial issue really is a killer for a lot of indie devs. So it's while you do have creative agency if you don't have money coming in, there's a good chance your game either won't go out at all. It it will take years to make yeah. or it will release and and nobody will see it because you've mm-hmm. got no marketing budget and you've got to rely on word of mouth. You know, there's there's so many risks to being an indie dev. My friend Chris Bolch, who was on the BBC podcast we did last year, worked on his indie game for years and years just in his spare time, just doing little bits and pieces when he could. And that is the story for the vast majority of independent developers. Yeah. You know, bedroom developers, just just doing it when they can. And we're all largely only aware of the success stories. You know, you're Edmund McMillan's, for example. And I would say that Edmund, Edmund McMillan, if he were to partner with a big publisher, he would probably be able to, at this point, demand uh, sort of a, uh, an element of independence especially in terms of his approach and his art style, because that is, like with Divad, that is what people go to his games for, is, is his style. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that's obviously not always been the case. And without having his start, being truly independent and being able to carve out that niche for himself, uh, with the, you know, that being the, the major benefit of being independent, he wouldn't be at the stage where those opportunities could potentially come to him and he would still have that independence. So, man, it's there's there's obviously a lot a lot that can go wrong in game development anyway, and being an independent developer is sort of that, but times a thousand, except that the the big trade-off, as we've said, is that you just you get to make whatever you want, whatever yeah. you want, but there's no guarantee that anyone will buy it, and that <laughs> that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same with people who self-publish books or well self-publish anything i guess is that's the entire point of the mm-hmm. of the question uh but uh yeah you get people who um amazon allow you to essentially just self-publish anything you like on there and uh it's it's great that you don't have to now like send off a manuscript to a, a book publisher and go please make my book but equally mm-hmm. there are so many independent authors now on the likes of amazon who you know, I kind of I feel feel bad for them because they've probably got something good there, um, but because they felt the need to go and do it themselves, they they just don't get the marketing and these things don't get put out there. It's a shame. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, well Peter, it's time to move on 
Yes. To something a little strange. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Yeah, you could call it uh, weird news. Weird news. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. It's weird news time, Peter. Oh, goodness, Peter. <laughs> What weird video game story have you brought this week? Uh, I've got a story this week that was sent to me via Twitter DM from Cameron Keywood, at Cameron underscore Keywood. Um, And uh, it's really something. It's from Destructoid.com, written by Mm -hmm. Chris Moyes, who says, Resident Evil Village's Lady Dimitrescu which I'm, that's what I'm settling on now, by the way, oh, pronunciation Oh, really? Wise. We've gone back again? I think so. Lady, Dimitri- Lady Dimitrescu. Yeah, that's what oh, I'm saying. Man. I'm just going to keep calling her Lady D. I don't want to... Yeah, okay. Res- Resident Evil Village's Lady D to receive her own flavour of G-Fuel. Oh, good. Okay. The subheading is Taste Her Love in Every Sip. Brilliant. Don't like that. I'm not really sure of the demographic crossover of vampiric society queens and energy drink guzzling esports types, but never want to miss a marketing opportunity, Capcom has collaborated with G Fuel to produce a brand new flavour based on Lady D, one of the popular antagonists from the recently released Resident Evil Village. Titled Maiden's Blood... The powdered hell comes in a container not quite as tall as the good lady herself, along with a 24-ounce shaker cup, which will make you collect, uh, which will make you the coolest person at the gym. Honest, packed with vitamins and supplements to increase focus, endurance, and reaction. Flipping G Fuel, man, it's amazing. Uh, G Fuel hopes that Dimitrescu's her horrifying elixir will help consumers reach new heights, but not nine foot six. <laughs> what does maiden's blood, and then it says thunderclap, taste like? Melon. What? <laughs> what was that sentence? It's got. It's in asterisks, so they've added their own. They've added their own sound effect to the sentence there. What right, does okay. maiden's blood thunderclap? 
taste like? Yeah. Melon. Flipping oh, melon. And that's a shame. I spared you the actual swear word in the prose there. Um, Whoa. Okay. They, they really like to just go I'm passionate about melon. Fast and loose in destru- uh, destructoid.com. Um, scheduled to launch in July 2021, interested parties can jump on a waiting list right now over on the official G Fuel website. I'll definitely be downing the stuff while I go about my slavish tasks for Lady D. He actually put Lady D in the prose. Oh, okay. There you go. Uh, including really sweeping her floors, polishing her shoes, getting the bloodstains out of her dress, responding to her emails, and sorting her recycling. And then that's that's the end of the article there. What a, that's wow. a bit of a weird thing. Spoiler alert, you don't do any of those things for her in the game, so I don't know where he's pulled that from. Sweeping her floors, oh, sorting her recycling. Just, what was his name? Uh, Chris Moyes. And that's Chris just projecting, I think, perhaps a yeah. dream he's had. Mm-hmm. Maybe so. Into the article. So uh, coming wow. soon. Oh, hang on, no. No. Oh. What? Okay. So there's then a, a big, a huge video embedded in the in the prose in the in the body of the article, which I think is just an ad. Um, and then underneath that, there's a single line before the article ends, which I missed, and it just says, uh, "So uh, responding to her emails and sorting her recycling, it's a living." Besides, Daniela is surprisingly good at crossfire. And then that's what? the end of the article. What? Yeah, I don't ask. It's lost is on me. D- is Lady D's first name Daniela? I don't know. Is that? Let's let's look that up. Daniela. This is just what a what an adventure. Also, what is G Fuel? I've seen a few people sort of promote it on Twitter. You know, streamer types and so it is on. her first name, Daniela. Is it? Yeah, Daniela Dimitris. G Fuel is it's like a. I think it's powdered. It's a powdered drink sort of energy yeah. drink that's targeted specifically at gamers because oh, when you take it it allegedly increases you heart your well yeah, yeah it gives you heart palpitations <laughs> uh packed with vitamins and supplements to increase focus endurance and reaction oh shut up what is the science of that is that real it sounds disgusting Doesn't the thing it? is though if they approached us and offered us a sponsorship deal we would take it so don't <laughs> Don't be surprised if you do eventually hear a shill for G Fuel. But God, I hate stuff. I hate stuff marketed at quote unquote gamers. It's just so patronizing and yeah. it's so cringy. It's awful. I've just Googled it and the the little kind of line that Google gives you about the website underneath the link uh, that you can't always find on the website itself, which is always fun, uh, mm. says... Crush your competition today with G Fuel, the official energy drink of eSports, registered <laughs> trademark. Available in 40-plus lip-smacking flavors. Oh, no. Trusted by PewDiePie, FaZe Clan. Oh, dot, great. Dot, dot, dot. I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm sold. Those guys have it all together. Yeah. I trust them. Mm-hmm. With Brilliant. my health. That yeah. sounds great. When I went to EGX once a number of years ago... They were they were handing out free. They often hand out free cans of energy drinks, but there was a new one there, and they'd obviously spent a lot of money because I'd never heard of them, just mm-hmm. to be there on the show floor. I think it was called Tornado Energy Drink, and that was another gamer energy drink. 
Right. And there was the guy handing out on the show floor, and you could hear him from miles around. He would just be yelling, don't just win, do damage. Oh, God. Don't, don't just win, do damage. And me and my friends still quote that to each other because it was just the the worst thing I've ever heard. I always Don't feel... just win. <laughs> do damage. What? I always feel to my sorry. liver? What are you... For people who have to, they've been told exactly what they have to keep saying uh, as they hand mm-hmm. things out. You must have seen those people who, for a time, Coke were handing out either Coke Zero or uh, it was Coke Zero or Diet Coke or Coke Zero or regular Coke. I'm not sure. Have a Coke Tastic Day. No, they would say. So they would ask you which one you wanted, and if you wanted the one that wasn't Coke Zero, they would just say here you go enjoy or whatever but if you said oh i'll have coke zero please they'll go coke zero zero sugar zero calories same great taste and there'll be people queuing and queuing and there'll be like 12 people and maybe like six of them in a row would say i'll have coke zero please and everyone could hear the person say every single time coke zero zero sugar zero calories same great taste oh poor poor people i know that is um, that is terrible. I mean, pretty much everyone who works those conventions or even those things, they're just hired, aren't they, from like an events agency. They yeah. don't actually work for PlayStation or mm-hmm. Tornado Energy or whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, would you like to see a picture of KSI dressed as a strawberry um, on the, uh, the G Fuel website? I don't really ever want to see a picture of KSI, but on this in this instance, sure, I'll have mm-hmm. I'll see him dressed uh, as a strawberry. Why not? Here he is. Brilliant. Well, yeah, there he is. He looks thrilled. How much money do you think he made from that? Oh, a lot. When you yeah. hover over it, it says KSI YouTube celebrity. <laughs> That's what he <laughs> is. Know. That's his job. I suppose, yeah. Mm. I suppose so. Yeah. There he is as a strawberry. Awful. Yeah. Absolutely awful. Have you got some weird news for me, Ben? Yeah, I have. I I certainly do. You know, let me just clear my mind. Uh, thank you to Elizabeth at Crash on the Way on Twitter. Oh, it's, a double, it's a double submission from the community. This yeah, week. here we go. So you should support us on, on Patreon, of course. But if you want to follow us on Twitter and, and send us weird news, we may use that mm. um, and include it in the podcast. Here we are. This comes from Nintendo Life, written by Ryan Craddock. Local council installs plant pots that look like Mario warp pipes and residents aren't happy. Oh, God. I mean, Nintendo probably won't be happy when they find out. They'll be ceasing and desisting yeah i suppose they will here we go so you can have a little look at them mm-hmm. there are the plant pots oh they're not as... that bad what they're not deliberate okay sorry continue as devoted fans of mario's classic platforming adventures would very much welcome the idea of a few warp pipes dotted around our local town center but some residents in walsall uk aren't quite on the same page As reported by Birmingham Live, Walsall Council has spent taxpayers' cash on some new plant pots to promote a feeling of well-being and safety, and to enhance the town centre. The council has received a total of £1.5 million to spruce up two areas in (laughs) in the West Midlands town, and councillor Adrian Andrew, two first names, says that the new planting aims to create... Yes, the new planting, that is what it says, aims to create a more social space outside Walsall Art Gallery. Which is all very nice, isn't it? Yeah. Unfortunately, local residents aren't best pleased with the new arrivals, blasting the pots for looking like Super Mario warp pipes and explaining that the money could have been spent on other, more important things. 
Andrea Loveridge, a local florist, said, We've had so many shop closures in the, in the past few years, and the best thing the council can come up with is these garish monstrosities. It beggars belief. It makes the place look like look more like something from Super Mario Brothers. They look like those warp pipes Mario jumps down. There's said. no way, she said, it looks like something from Super Mario Brothers. No one wow. would say that. I'm afraid that's how they do it in Walsall, Peter. Because you're, you're in either two camps when it comes to Mario. You either know what Mario is or you don't. And I'm not making an assumption that a female florist would or wouldn't know what Mario is. But if you don't know what Mario is, you wouldn't know to call it Super Mario Brothers. And if you do know what Mario is, you wouldn't bother calling it Super Mario Brothers. So I don't know where that's come from. That's a paraphrase on the part of the writer I'm calling it. They look like those warp pipes Mario jumps down. Yeah, they do. Supermarket worker. Oh, brilliant. Supermarket worker. Are you ready? Yeah. Sue Morrison. Wow. Adds, everyone is calling them Mario pipes. It makes us a bit of a laughing stock. <laughs> we can understand why residents would want the money to be spent more wisely, especially in a town described by Sue as dilapidated and <laughs> tired looking. But we imagine local Nintendo fans won't be too upset. And then there's a video uh, about, you know, people being upset about the plant pots. They don't look that bad. They don't look great. I mean, the plants the... inside them look more depressing than the pots. They do. The water is just sort of like leaking. Hang on, let me send you. Hopefully it'll just show you the thumbnail for this. But the water is just kind of leaking. Oh, yeah. Look at it looks that. a bit crap. The, the, the photo, the first photo doesn't really show the area around it. Like they've got, like they painted the... It looks like it's it's a pedestrianised area that's been painted and it looks quite nice. And then across the road, you've got, what is that? Multi, like the oldest looking multi-print shop I've ever seen. Everything <laughs> else in this photo looks quite modern and quite nice, including the plant pots. But then mm. I think it's just surrounded by really, really old, knackered looking businesses. As Sue, yeah. Sue said, Mrs. Morrison's. Yeah. <laughs> I. It's a shame because like councils... You know, they get some money to spend on plant pots or whatever in town. And they think, should we? do we just buy some, like, big, ugly square planters that, you know, you see all over the place in the UK? Or do we, you know, should we try and be a bit more fun about it? You know, we could get some sort of green, wacky, strange-shaped ones. I mean, I'm sure they weren't aiming for the Mario comparison. But, you know, let's, let's do something a bit different. People mm. are mad about it. They really want just, you know... Plant pots that look almost identical to all of the litter bins in the area so that they yeah. match. Yeah, they're, the fact that they're all different shapes and sizes is strange as well, considering mm. that they appear to have very similar plants in them. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. There we are. It's my weird well, news. That's good news there. I like that. Um, Let's move on to the next question. Let's. Question three. It's from Ellie Nicholas. And Ellie says, Hey, boy. Singular, that's what it says. Right, uh, just you then. Just Yeah, not, not you. Uh, as a girl who plays video games online, there's a certain amount of trolling slash bullying slash threats that get thrown, not just my way, but for many girls as well. Have you ever seen this? And do you think there needs to be harder punishments for people who do this? Thank you. You guys are amazing. Oh, thank you, Ellie. Thank you. Well, you're absolutely right, Ellie. And I think that, unfortunately, this is very difficult to police. And that's not um, in 
by any stretch of the imagination, a reason to say, so, you know, I guess we've got to live with it. I suppose it's it's fine, isn't it? Yeah, let's just do it. It's just, uh, I think that's part of the problem, unfortunately. It's difficult to... um, So, certain people in the video game community, and let's face it, most of them men slash boys, will feel that it's appropriate to have a go at female gamers because they are female. Um, And I guess the issue is that they might choose to uh, have a go at a female gamer on, you know, on voice chat or whatever, if, if they find out that they're playing against a woman. But they might not outright address the fact that she's female. So they might choose that person as a target because she's female, but then just kind of say, you know, you're crap or, you know, why are you so rubbish at this game? They might not always actually mention uh, sex or gender um, in in that. And I think for starters, that is obviously that makes it difficult to uh, outright say, oh, well, clearly you're you're targeting that person because of their gender um if if they're not explicitly saying so again i say that doesn't mean that it's okay to do for that for people to do that but uh i think that is part of the issue um and you know unfortunately i find that like systems that are put in place either on video game consoles and you know online online networks uh and on social media as well when it comes to reporting things like this it kind of has varying levels of effectiveness, and I don't really know why. I'm not privy to how these how these things are handled and uh, exactly what boxes you have to tick or not tick to be considered, uh, you know, being inappropriate in your conduct. Um, so that's that's difficult, and that's a shame. I do think though this did make me uh, remember a weird news story I did not so long ago, a few episodes back where the the reason this story was weird is that uh, it was dealing with a voice recognition system that was being uh, spoken about in some at some conference somewhere where they were like, mm-hmm. hey, do you want to use our technology? And it was about picking up um, people who were being, you know, who were flaming people online, trolling and stuff on online games. The, the weird news aspect was that it allowed you to choose whether you wanted... Some sexism, most racism, no ableism, and yes or no, do you want the N-word? You know, you could, like, choose weird combinations. However, one thing that, you know, I do... I look at that system and I think, you know, sliders aside, there's got to be something in there. And I actually think that if you just look at it for what it is, that technology, and, and, you know, in, in a more serious uh with a more serious stance there's there's got to be something there in terms of being able to recognize when people are you know saying you're a girl gamer you're you're crap you know what are you doing here uh why why aren't you playing x game instead you shouldn't be playing call of duty you know all these sorts of things that people come out with and are completely unfounded and perhaps that kind of technology is the way to go in terms of uh trying to make a more concerted effort to stamp this out. I do think that the video game scene seems to have become more abs- more accepting of female gamers than it 
was perhaps sort of 15, 20 years ago. That's not to say there's no longer a problem. As Ellie points out, it's still very much an ongoing issue. So I'm not, I don't want for one minute to imply that, hey, it's fine now because it's not. Um, But uh, hopefully, given that we've already moved to some extent in the correct direction since, you know, the 90s and the noughties, perhaps we will continue to do so as time goes on and just gradually over time uh people will be uh start to become a bit more gender blind um as as time goes on i think there's always going to be a certain group of people who are going to say awful things and uh it's the same in in any kind of sort of prejudice in gaming you know whether it's gender or not um, but hopefully things are already moving in the right direction. Um, yeah. What do you think, Ben? I mean, uh, you know, it'd be weird if I disagreed, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it be weird if I was like, no, it's fine. It's fine. Don't know, you, don't know what you're talking about. Obviously, Peter and I have never experienced this this kind of abuse because we are fortunate mm-hmm. enough to be boys in a world where boys are largely the aggressors. Um, and so... <laughs> We're not usually the the targets of uh, of abuse and harassment online. Um, I am not, not the basis of gender anyway. No, just because we're awful and people mm. hate our hot yeah. video game takes. Uh, but certainly, in terms of playing online, like I I don't doubt for a second that this stuff still goes on, and I want to I want to mm. make that perfectly clear. But everybody I play games with now tends to play in like uh, private parties and stuff. Yeah. So while we're playing, you know, multiplayer with lots of other people, I have my privacy settings set up so people who aren't on my friends list can't send me messages. Um, I have it so that uh, when I'm playing online with friends, I don't use the game's audio chat. We we set up a party where we can talk to one another. And this is not to set, to be perfectly clear, this is not to say for a moment that the victims of abuse should do more to, pre- to prevent this stuff from happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a clearly, slope, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Because clearly it's the, the people who are abusing that are the ones that need to be dealt with. And I'll get onto that in a second. Um, but certainly there are, there are some sort of systems, there are various systems in place on gaming platforms, online, uh, you know, PC, console, that sort of stuff where you can sort of shield yourself to an extent. Um, and that is largely because, as you said, it's really difficult to police this stuff. And you and I experienced this firsthand in terms of trying to protect our community, in not in a gaming sense, but just in terms of being an online community. So we've got mods when we, when we live stream uh, to make sure that people aren't being dicks in the chat mm. and stuff. And we have a fantastic community anyway, um that largely do not cause any problems and that's wonderful and they do call out people's behavior especially when we're streaming on youtube because that place is just a cesspool isn't it yeah um where randoms do sort of wander in uh and they and that tends not to happen on twitch so our community is fantastic already and, and we love we love them all and that's great unfortunately though we cannot be in the comments section of every video we've ever uploaded mm. every day. Yeah. And that is usually just the worst place to be, is a comment section on YouTube. And so by way of some sort of comparison, I suppose what I'm saying is that 
while we can take certain measures to protect members of our community and make sure that everyone feels happy and is enjoying themselves and feels safe, there's always going to be blind spots that we can't really control. And I suppose to an extent, it's the same with online gaming as well. That's not to say that platforms can't do more because they should. I'm not entirely sure what more constitutes. Perhaps it's stricter punishments. Perhaps it's instead of just banning accounts they need to ban ips so people can't just create a new account and then hop straight back on and start abusing the same person again i don't know i honestly i it's a complicated issue what isn't complicated is that everyone has a right to feel safe online full stop in any capacity not just gaming but it's then it then becomes really challenging when you take into account vpns and the various ways that people who are dead set on being dicks will find new ways to be dicks. And Mm -hmm. I don't know how that is solvable apart from at a very uh, sort of, I don't know, in in a very root way, in like an almost parental way, like how how they are raised (laughs) sort of. Oh, yeah. And at that point, I I don't know what, for example, Xbox Live or PlayStation or, you know, even Discord can do. You know, how how can they stop a person from being an ass apart from removing them from their platform? And if they keep coming back, then what do they do? Well, how can how can they stop that? Ban their IP. Okay, well, now they're using a VPN and they're pretending they're in another part of the world and they're still coming on. Right, ban that IP. Okay, they've jumped again. It's 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 really difficult, I think, for platforms to completely wipe this stuff out. Um, but I suppose the bottom line is that everyone in... In, a, in an online community or if you're playing with a group of friends or whatever, however you're playing games, you've got to remain vigilant and you've got to call it out when you see it and you've got to report these people when they cross the line. And unfortunately, we've just got to trust these platforms to do the rest yeah. um, and and hope that that clears it up. But it it's appalling that, <clears throat> excuse me, it's appalling that this is still an issue to, to mm-hmm. this day and it's still going on. I mean, fortunately... Uh... It's becoming more and more of a thing where people who are abusing others online or, or indeed in person, of course, are now facing actual like legal charges, criminal charges, certainly mm-hmm. in the UK and I'm sure elsewhere in the world, uh, where you can get done for hate speech if you're, you know, depending on the severity of what it is that you say. I'm not suggesting for a moment that if someone goes, huh, girls can't play Call of Duty, that they should then go to prison um but uh certainly people who are who take it even further than that i mean obviously i hasten to add people who do say girls can't play call of duty still need to be punished in some way they probably need to you know have as you say account sanctions and things like that but the point i'm trying to make is people who perhaps take things further and are outright abusive and as you say maybe follow people from server to server or you know consistently send messages and you know, it, there's a there are certain lines, and the more you step it up and step it up, there's got to be a point where it becomes exactly the same. Uh, it, it must be viewed in exactly the same light as it would be if you were abusing someone on Facebook, for example. Which, as I say, nowadays people can be uh, they can face charges for things like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's that's talking about the more severe examples. But at least, you know, again, that that I think is a positive step in the right direction if that is policed properly and that's a whole conversation about you know semantics and and uh 
privacy and freedom of speech and things like that, which can get really bogged down in because it's complicated. But if those things are done, quote unquote, properly, uh, I think that's a good thing that uh, in the same way that women are generally just being more accepted now in the gaming world than they were 10, 15 years ago. Mm. Likewise, uh, hate speech online is becoming less and less acceptable uh or you know it's it's um not kind of flying under the it's radar so seriously. much now yeah, yeah it's taken more seriously and uh, it's being people are being caught out doing it now than a lot more than they used to so those yeah. are both positive things as with so many social issues we've still got a very long way to go yeah uh yeah. things are better and all we can do as patrons i suppose of online gaming um, and and online platforms is just to work together to help pressure uh, the the platform holders to make things safer and to just work together to to build something better. You know, mm-hmm. I, I suppose that's just to honor. You know, if you want to get philosophical about this, it's sort of like the uh, yeah. human condition, isn't it? You just want to leave a better world for your kids, don't you? You do. So just yeah. just got to keep building. Just got to keep building towards something better. I'm so sorry that you're facing abuse, though, Ellie, and of course mm, everybody yeah. else that faces abuse. It's terrible. Peter and I are both, both extremely privileged white boys, and we do not face a lot of the you know the abuse and the 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 worst stuff that society can throw at you. And uh, you know, so we we are completely out of touch in that aspect. But certainly, we we are hugely sympathetic and, and want to make sure that. That the the world is just a better place for everyone, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I suppose that's all we can do. Yeah. Wow. There we go. Well, that was almost a big discussion, I would say. But... It was. I wasn't expecting that, but we no. are going to end on something perhaps quite fun. Yeah. Indeed. Are you uh, ready, it's Peter? Time, uh, it's time for a fun discussion. Oh, it's also big. It's time for the big discussion. This week, the big discussion comes courtesy of Brooks Existentialist, who says, Hello, lads. Since the demise of playable demos, trailers appear to have reached primacy in marketing video games. God, what a good sentence that Mm, was. Yeah. I feel the creation of of an engaging trailer is an art in itself, be it for a game, movie, or TV show. What is your favourite video game trailer, and did the game live up to the height set by it? For example, my favourite is the Halo ODST live-action We Are ODST trailer, and the game, while okay, did not live up to the trailer. Thanks always, you guys are the best, at Brooksistential on Twitter. I've picked a few, Peter, I don't know about you. I've got, I picked... Uh, a proper trailer, a trailer, trailer, mm. and a, a, my favorite teaser as well. Oh, um, okay, yeah, okay. Uh, so my favorite, I think, probably, I was going to say one of the best trailers of all time, maybe even the best video game trailer of all time, um, was for a game that absolutely did not live up to the hype of the trailer, and not just because. The trailer was that good that people were expecting too much. It was like completely tonally different. You might know what I'm about to say. It might even be on your list. I think the Dead Island trailer. Yes, the was, reverse one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely stunningly good and horrible. It won and awards, harrowing. didn't it? Yeah, yeah I think it did. that trailer did. Yeah. Um, talk, so for those, talk us through it then. What happened in sure. it? Sure. Uh, so it begins. It's actually been parodied by Goat Sim and other things. So you might have seen. <laughs> parodies of it but it starts with a zoom out 
of um, a, a girl, a young girl, like a child, who's lying dead on the floor, which is, you know, lovely. Um, and I think in the background, there are like people running around on fire and stuff. And so it's zooming out from her. And then when it reaches a wide shot, suddenly you realize that you've been watching something in reverse this whole time. She was lying there on the ground, but it's been in reverse. And she sort of jerks up and she falls upwards because she's come out of a window. Um, so it shows her smashing through this window in reverse. And then you get this weird intercut thing of sort of the story of how she got there, how she ended up being thrown out of the window in reversed segments um, of her as a zombie attacking her parents, but as I say, all in reverse. And then intercut with that are forward clips of her as a terrified child running up a corridor away from zombies and the two as they cut between each other one going in one direction one going the other they kind of meet each other in the middle um as she like runs into her dad's arms so i'm sure there will be cuts of it on youtube where you can actually watch the kind of the full story pieced together in the correct order but essentially she's running up this corridor in a hotel at a beach resort she runs to her parents' arms as these zombies chase her. Um, but I think she's either already been bitten. I think she has. I think she's been bitten already. And so they they hold themselves up in this room. And then she, like, bites her dad on the shoulder. And he... I don't know if he sort of outright does it on purpose. But in kind of trying to wrestle her off, he ends up throwing her out of the window of the hotel. She lands mm-hmm. on the grass. And, uh, and that's it. But it's sort of the way it's cut as much as anything else is you kind of... You start out with this, you know, almost sort of demonic, horrible monster of a zombie child and think, oh, what's this? And then you're like, oh, wait, no, she's she's falling out of a window, and but she's bitten her dad, but she's running terrified. And the fact that it ends with her running into his arms and she just sort of looks up at him like, oh, you know, am I safe now? I'm going to be okay now. I'm in dad's arms. And you know already, no, you're not. You're about to go out that window. And uh, yeah. Oh, Awful. It's very melancholy, Harrowing. isn't it? The it music is. too. It's just but piano and mm. a little bit of violin, I think, as well. Yeah. It's just sort of it's very melancholic. And then I think is it the last shot of the trailer? Certainly at some point in there, there's like a family photo and they're all posing because they've all gone on this really uh, exciting yeah, family right. holiday together. Mm. The mum and the dad and the young girl. And then you're like, oh, that holiday didn't end so well, did it? Yeah. I suppose they should have thought about that when they went to Dead Island. But yeah. there we go. Yeah. And then the game was terrible. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was just it was rubbish. A, a sort of hack and slash zombie. I mean, I think in and of itself, the game was. I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't. No, it wasn't awful. It was super buggy. I think that was. It part was of buggy. Problem. Yeah, it was actually. But um, really certainly, buggy. it was nothing like what people were expecting. They probably thought it was going to be like something like The Last of Us, you know, with yeah. like family uh, kind of storylines and emotion and this undead survival story, not necessarily about that family. I think we could have guessed that perhaps they weren't going to be in it, but still, that it would still have that kind of emotional punch to it. And it just, it really didn't. Um, (laughs) The Last of Us is, after all, lest we forget, just the Dead Island debut trailer of video games. Mm, Yeah. That's all it is. Pretty much. Dead Island did it first. Yeah. I remember... um, Jeff Ramsey from Rooster Teeth and Achievement Hunter and stuff. Uh, at the time, they put, they put a video out of him watching this trailer. I think other people in the office had seen it, and they were like they wanted to get his reaction as he watched it. 
And in like the first three seconds as it's zooming out from this kid, I think he says something like, if this girl is between the ages of six and 10 years old, I'm not going to be able to watch this trailer. And then as she starts falling backwards through the window, he immediately just turns it off and says, right now, I'm done with that. No, that's it. I'm, that's enough. So he doesn't wow. watch the whole thing. Fair um, enough. Yeah. I mean, sure. It um, good. Caused a big old fuss at the time. It did. Yeah. Uh, do you maybe want to do one of yours and then I'll come back to a yeah. teaser? Sure. Uh, so my specific memories of trailers largely begin around 2010, especially with the examples I've cited, because I think demos were still fairly prevalent at that point mm. before then. You could still download demos for, you know, 360 and PS3. You just got them less and less in magazines. Um, you just had to, you know, download them from the, from the various stores. So the first one I've got here is the first Skyrim trailer. Yeah, of course. The music, the Fusrodar, the 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 dragon, the the narration with the the but it's something about the Oblivion Gates. They're already here. The sons of Scott, you know all that nonsense, fantasy nonsense. There's one they oh. fear. Yeah. Yes, that's it. They call him Dovokin, and then the music kicks in. You've got the male choir doing the thing, and it's oh the chills, the mm. music, the the panning shots of all the towns and the caves and the combat, and it was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. It, it's new Oblivion. They've made Oblivion 2. <laughs> yeah. How exciting. Yeah, that was huge. And then it was the, hey, by the way, it's coming out on 11-11-11. Yeah, the it's way it twisted this year. to reveal the date. Yeah. Have fun with that. Coming out this year, bro. It was, yeah, it was very exciting. Um, as much as I cannot play Skyrim anymore. <laughs> I was beyond excited for that game, and that trailer was uh, was phenomenal. I watched that trailer so much in the yeah. <laughs> time waiting for the game. Just every couple of months, you know, just check in and watch it again and again. That was such a good one. Dan Bull's rap. Do you remember Dan Bull's Skyrim rap? I do, rap? yeah. That Who's was rapping? really good Don't as well. Keen. Yes, yeah. yeah they call me the Dragonborn something something badass horns. Yeah, wearing a hat with badass horns. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was yeah. good too, because I think that was actually paid for by Bethesda for him to do that. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I remember watching that a lot. That was good stuff. That's good yeah, stuff. it was. Um, I could slip another quick one in, if that's Go all right. Go for it, yeah. Uh, the Arkham City trailer with uh, the music Ain't No Place for a Hero by The Heavy, and I really like The Heavy. Their music's fantastic, and if mm. you're not familiar with them, you will certainly know their songs. Um, it's They're used in trailers quite a lot, like How You Like Me Now, they're done. that one that's in loads of stuff um that trailer was fantastic and i think the music really made it and obviously excitement for arkham city was very high anyway and i just thought that one really stuck with me um particularly for the music choice Mm -hmm. yeah um that's just reminded me of one actually i seem to remember thinking that the duke nukem forever trailer looked good i think (laughs) Looking at it now... With the 12 studios. At the yeah, moment. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think looking at it now, um, you can associate... You can look at each gameplay clip and go, oh, yeah, that's that rubbish bit where that rubbish thing happens, and that's that other rubbish bit there. And <laughs> yeah. so now it looks bad in hindsight. But I think at the time, I seem to remember feeling like... Because it was um, Invaders Must Die was playing. And... You know, it just seemed like this silly, stupid, overblown, uh, exciting game that everyone had been waiting for. And the Duke's quipping and saying stupid, probably sexist things, which, you know, I'm sure 
at least those things. I wasn't going, oh, yeah, brilliant, wonderful. Oh, classic Duke, that's so funny. I'm going to say that to all my friends. Yeah, all of them. Um, but, you know, broadly speaking, it was just this big, exciting spectacle. Um, mm. And yet yeah, now, in hindsight, it's it's got too many other associations, I think, to right. be remotely that's enjoyable. Fair. But yeah, certainly for the time. Um, so... I brought along a, a teaser as well, which, mm -hmm. you know, I think there's a, as much, you can get as much out of a teaser trailer as you can a full gameplay trailer, um, just to kind of set the te uh, set the tone of a game, um, hint at maybe a, a setting or a time period, particularly in, in an established franchise. Um, so to kind of tie in with Brooks Existentialist's example, I thought the Halo Reach teaser trailer was really good. Um, so what happened with that was it was a panning shot of the planet Reach um, and Halo Reach is a prequel to the Halo trilogy and those who knew anything about the Halo trilogy at the time will have known that Reach was a human kind of outpost planet and I think it was essentially the last sort of bastion before Earth. So the Covenant alien enemies didn't know where Earth was but I think it was kind of known that if the Covenant ever made it to Reach, the next stop would be Earth, basically. So it's a huge deal if the Covenant ever find the planet Reach. Um, so the, the camera's panning over Reach, and all you can hear is people talking on the comms. That's it. It's just radio chatter. And someone's saying, I'm pretty sure I just picked up a like a slip space rupture in the in the area and some of the other guys like that's impossible you have to check your source like that's that can't that's not no that's impossible and they soon confirm that like well hang on no like pe someone's here like something's arrived and then sort of the last half of the trailer is just loads of people all panicking and screaming and saying oh god no we need we need we need forces down here and oh god what's happening and there's just mm -hmm. this blind panic of all these people shouting, and then right at the end, uh, this this voice comes on and says, "We have Spartans on the ground, sir. We're not going anywhere." And he goes, duh, 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 duh. So it's kind of you know that silly sort of yeah, that's me. That's what I'm going to be. I'm, I'm that's, a Spartan. I'm the I will Spartan. Be on the ground. I'm going to save all of those people. It's kind of the juxtaposition of all this panic and fear and oh, we're all going to die. And then the hero steps in and says, you know, I'm here. We're going to save the day. I thought that was, had as much punch as any kind of full gameplay trailer could have had. Um, reminded me of my my favorite movie teaser of all time. I must have, you must have seen me talk about this on Twitter before because I post about it every probably 18 months just to remind everyone how great <laughs> it is. Is the Rogue One teaser, which oh, yeah. uh, it was a, some convention somewhere and they sat everyone down in this uh room and they said we've got a trailer for you no one knew about rogue one what was what it was going to be or, or that it was even coming and the opening crawl to a new hope starts playing and people are like cheering because they're star wars fans but they're like why are we watching the opening to a new hope and the second paragraph of that is uh during the battle rebel spies managed to steal plans for the new super weapon the death star and as it reaches that bit of the crawl suddenly the text starts to slowly tilt and this like alarm starts going off and again it's just people yelling over the comms like 
we need covering fire and dying and screaming (laughs) and it just slowly zooms in on that text and then it says rogue one and i think that again is just you you don't have to show that much you just Mm -hmm. give the idea of this desperate situation of people fighting against you know against the odds i suppose so yeah uh, yeah, the the halo reach one for me i think is one of the best teasers there was another Halo advert that's quite famous, or trailer, sorry. The one where it's all miniatures. The little Which one figures, was that yeah. Was that three? Or two? That was Halo 3, yeah. yeah. That one, quite a, a lot of people one. really like that one, don't they? Yeah, mm, they that's do. That's be good. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll counter with an, uh, um, a, oh, a tease of my own. Mm-hmm. The Final Fantasy VII remake announcement uh, trailer yeah. slash tease from, God, 2014, 2015, something yeah. like that, uh, where... You don't really, and it's it was live at E3, which I think really helped because it had the crowd's reaction over the top, mm. um, and people were like, "I'm not really sure what this is," but it was it was showing various. It had sort of uh, narration over the top, like just talking about how oh, the the world is dying and everyone's sad. People yeah. hate it in this city, but you've got to find a way to to get through. And they're just showing various shots of of Midgar, um, and they are. They're like they're showing more and more revealing stuff. So there's like a very iconic playground mm-hmm. from Final Fantasy VII, and that would be easily recognizable. And as soon as that that started showing up, people you heard the crowd sort of go, "Oh, what, what? is this?" Yeah, and uh, and the the music wasn't Final Fantasy music. It was just sort of quite ominous. And this piano starts going, and then the narration says, "And they're coming back." And you just you the camera's panning down a corridor, and you can hear like on the speakers and or in headphones like footsteps uh, coming from behind the camera. Mm-hmm. And then they walk past, and what do you see? A man with a gun arm and a man with a giant sword giant on his back. Sword. And it doesn't show anything else; just those guys. And the the whole crowd erupts. And then it says Final Fantasy VII. And it goes, shing, and then it says remake. And, it's, and everyone just loses their flipping mind. Yeah. And it's so good. It's, I, I watch that trailer every so often. It's, uh, mm. it's amazing. Yeah. There's something about a crowd reaction. That It was yeah. the same with the, that Star Wars one, just hearing people who care that much about you know, Final Fantasy or whatever going mm. crazy. Uh, that so adds good. so much to it. So good. Uh, I've got a couple of other short ones that I can do. Uh, the 2016 debut Last of Us Part 2 trailer, because a lot of us didn't think we were uh, yeah. going to get another Last of Us. Mm. And Ellie's playing guitar in that room, you know, with a bloody forehead. Yeah. And Joel walks in and says, you know, and, and as she's playing, it's it's showing him walking through the house that she's in. And there's just like dead bodies in each room that she's presumably killed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's our first time seeing grown up Ellie. And he leans on the door and just says, what are you doing, kiddo? Are you really going to go through with this? And she just looks up at the camera and says, I'm going to find and kill every last one of them. And it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. What what turmoil is this game going to put us through? And that was extremely exciting. It's uh, and I think interesting. there was a live crowd reaction for that, too. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting um, knowing how well that does actually tie in with the resultant game because yeah. you know it was yeah. some time before and i think everyone would have forgiven them if actually things had changed so dramatically to the story that that was no longer quite you know relevant or didn't quite fit with what ultimately happened but mm-hmm. you know even then people i think people were um making guesses about you know perhaps the fate of joel 
and what might what Ellie's goal might be in the game. And I remember way back when that trailer first came out, people uh, guessing or hoping, predicting, I suppose, um, things that ultimately actually came true. So, yeah. yeah. They stuck to their vision. You can't fault them for that. Mm, Uh, The final one I have here is that uh, gameplay demos, I think, especially from, you know, they're, they're pretty much just as prevalent, I would say, as trailers, especially when announcing a game. PlayStation does this a lot. And when I say gameplay demo, I don't mean playable at home. I mean, as in they will announce a game on stage, say, at E3 uh, with like a live playthrough of a section of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, the one I'm going to cite is the reveal for God of War, the 2016 one. Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah. Where nobody knew what it was. You see Atreus playing outside and then he goes inside and there's a very deep voice saying, you know, get your get your bow. We're going to go hunting or whatever. But it's a new voice for Kratos anyway. And then he steps out of the shadows and he's got a beard and he looks really old. And again, the crowd reaction just loses their minds. And then the gameplay demo they showed was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end, you know, they, they had the, the live choir there singing the theme for God of War. And that was just, God, it was really exciting. Um, I think that's that's a very powerful way to, to show off and announce a game as well. So yeah, want to pay lip service to, to the God of War reveal. Yeah, I hadn't thought of uh, kind of going through uh, gameplay demos as well in, in my memory banks, but I'm sure there's some other good ones out there. But yeah, that was definitely a significant one. I think as well, you're right that like no one could have predicted who was going to walk out of that building. You know, you say not just because the voice had changed, but even the setting. I think it was mm. fairly obvious from the very beginning that that was, if not, if it wasn't necessarily immediately clear that it was a sort of Nordic uh you know, Viking kind of setting. Certainly it wasn't anything you would associate with Kratos. Um, and then yeah. out he comes. There he is. And they could have yeah. just ended it there. He yeah, just could stepping have out. Yeah. It could have just said God of War. But then it, it immediately transitioned to gameplay. Obviously that whole game, famous for being just one uninterrupted shot mm, uh, yeah. from start to finish. And and then, yeah, the crowd sort of lost their mind again because it was like, oh God, we're actually going to see it being played. Here we go. It looks amazing. It's a third person cinematic game you would never expect that from sony they don't do those ever yeah not every time every single time yeah every single game um but yeah there we are nice fun trip down memory lane there that was good yeah but let us know in the comments and on twitter and on various other social media platforms what are your favorite trailers let us know love to see mm. them Peter, yeah. where can people find us if they want to interact or watch some other stuff or listen to some other stuff? Ooh, at uh, Team Triple Jump everywhere that's worth being. We're at youtube.com and twitch.tv forward slash Team Triple Jump. That's where we do all of our videos and live streams. Remember, if you've got Amazon Prime, one of the benefits of that is a Twitch sub. Um, so you can just redeem that on us. Won't cost you anything extra on top of your Amazon Prime. So uh, why not do that if you're not using it for anything else? Uh, when we're modern, uh, when we're modern, when we're streaming, we are mm. modded by Lord Brotovich, Madstodactyl, and Trowling Badger. Our social medias are twitter.com and facebook.com forward slash team triple jump. Luke Eldon looks after Facebook. Thank you, Luke. The Patreon is patreon.com forward slash team triple jump. If you head over there, you'll be able to. Uh, sign up to various tiers, one of which, or all of which, I should say, will allow you to uh, ask questions on this podcast. 
Um, we have a website. It's triple j dot mup. That's triple j u dot m p. If you go to triple j dot mup forward slash discord, that'll send you straight to our discord, which is modded by Jack, Joe, and Hollow Eyes. Um, triple j dot mup forward slash podcast will give you the audio version of this podcast. If you're watching on YouTube right now, you can go and uh, go over there and get the audio version. Uh, you can go to tripodger.mup forward slash VODs, which will redirect you to our VODs YouTube channel, where all of our VODs get uploaded. Um, and finally, triplejumpshop.com is where our store is. You can follow at triplejumpshop on Twitter as well for the latest updates. We're getting closer and closer to drop number two. I know I say yeah. it every single week, but we have been talking quite extensively with our merch team about uh, new new pieces, new shirts, new other bits and bobs. So um, keep an eye out for that in, I don't know, the next month or so, perhaps. Uh, hard to say exactly when, but it's coming. Mm. We promise you it is coming. It is. It is. You can follow Peter on Instagram and Twitter at that Peter Austin and myself just on Twitter at confused underscore dude. We do lists every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, streams every Monday, Thursday, Friday, Thursday being the joint stream, blaze it on YouTube, Monday and Friday being solo streams on Twitch. Worst games ever is fortnightly, Friday for patrons of a certain tier, Sunday for everyone else. The podcast is every Saturday and we do shows once every other week or thereabouts. Why not leave a review on iTunes or your platform of choice? It helps Something to do with algorithms. This week, Peter, we have every Fallout vault ranked from worst to best. This is sort we of do. a choice of would you rather be shot or stabbed, but we decided to rank them anyway. Yeah, there's like two that are probably okay to live in, and all <laughs> of the others are, you know, choose your manner of death. Do you want to go mad before you die or yeah. not? Do you want to be uh, transformed to against your will? Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, Voltec, they're great, aren't they? Let's save the world, uh, save humanity, but everyone who survives the nuclear bombs will have a horrible time in another way. Yeah. Perfect. Absolutely. It's a really yeah. fun one, though. So It is. Do yeah. go and watch that. I don't... God, I can already see the comments of people arguing about which horrible death is better than <laughs> another horrible death, but this is probably one of the first lists we've done in a while that isn't actually a subjective one. It's just a case of here are all the ways you can die in yeah. in a fallout vault. So yeah, go give it a watch. Should be good. Mm, yeah. uh, also, we have a new What It Means to Me with Top Hat Gaming Man, who talks all about Street Fighter 2. So big thank you to Top Hat Gaming Man for coming on. Thank and, you. Uh, and recording that. You can go watch that one out on Friday. Uh, the Fallout Vaults, I should say, goes out tomorrow at the time it of release. Does, It'll be yeah. going out on, on Sunday. You streamed with James this week. Any idea yes. at the time of recording? Any idea what you're going to be playing? Yeah, the plan at the moment, subject to change, is to do a kind of community-heavy uh, couple of hours where we're going to do some Jackbox, probably Jackbox 1 to 4. We've got, between us, we've got Jackbox 1 and 4, but uh, I've for ages I've been intending to just get the whole lot anyway. So, uh, mm -hmm. uh, so we'll be doing some Jackbox with the fans. And also, we'd quite like to give AI Dungeon a go, um, which okay. I've seen a fair bit of on YouTube and uh, James and I had a, a couple of goes with it the other day when we were talking. So um, we'll probably have tried that too. And again, we can have chat input with that. Um, are you aware of AI Dungeon, Ben? I've, I've heard of it, but I can't remember what it's actually about. 
It's uh, so it's like a text-based game, you know, where you say like search chest, uh, you know, uh, use screwdriver on door, and uh, it can sort of give you responses based on what you say. Mm-hmm. But it's a deep learning thing, so you can say and do anything you want, and it will come up with a procedurally generated story. And you can be super specific. Like I did a a test one where it said uh, you're on a spaceship, you're being attacked by the you know whoever the flips the the Zordjorions, and uh, it said um, the walls are leaking a strange liquid. And immediately I said, "Taste the liquid," and it made my throat swell up. And I went to like a medic to get my <laughs> throat de de swollen. And there was like a cat there that I had to sweep off the table. And you can kind of do whatever you want. And, you know, it's like having a little sandbox to play in. But uh, we can get the chat to give their own give their own ideas of what to do next. Did we play this on a podiats or like a video stream at some point? I fairly don't think so. I I seem to remember like being involved in a decision. I wasn't playing it. I don't know if Mikey was maybe. I seem to remember being involved in like a decision making process. I don't know. I have a very distinct memory of something very similar to that, but it might have been different. Oh, I don't remember playing it on on Podics, but we should do, actually, thinking about it. It would be really fun. Anyway, (laughs) that's for another time. It is. Finally, Peter, we have done it. We have climbed the mountain, and as of this moment, your boys are officially recognised as speedrun record holders. We are the fastest in the world with our speedrun in The Sniper 2. We did it. It's officially recognised by speedrun.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Feels what good. are you going to do about it, guys? You're going to come and you're going to come at us, come beat us. Yeah. I mean, you could very easily do that by just skipping the cutscenes. Skipping scenes. the cutscenes would save you some time. Yeah. Um, I might actually do create because we're the moderators now for the game on the website because yeah. we're the only people that play it. Um, I might create a speedrun category where you can't skip anything. You have to enjoy the full experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe you, you can should. only skip if you're replaying or retrying or whatever. Uh, but yeah, you know, we encourage the community to quote unquote come at us. You know, we we didn't do this to hold the record forever. It would be quite fun actually to like just have a whole leaderboard of triple jump viewers slash yeah. listeners who are just trying to play this terrible game as fast <laughs> as possible. Because there is a slight part, I mean, most of it is just, you know, as long as you know who you're shooting, you're fine. But there is a a part which does require some skill, the camera bit. Remember that? Yeah, well, I mean, for some reason it was really fast for us. And I don't know if that's going to be the case for everyone who's playing it on an emulator. It was for you and for me in two Mm. isolated incidents. Um, Yeah. uh, Or instances, sorry. But uh, yeah, give it a go. Let us know. Finally, Peter, we just have enough time to talk about this week's sponsor, which is, of course, that Pokemon Flap. Rubbish. Had it since the 90s. It's time for new Pokemon Flap. Get rid of it. Add the new one. You're welcome. Courtesy of Nintendo. And that's it. That's the podcast. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Hope you have a great weekend. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 